0: Hey friends, this is Linda and you're listening to Calling Water, the podcast where we start by examining a passage of scripture to think about what it means and some things it might call us to do. In today's episode, Where You Go, I Will Go, we're looking at the story of Naomi and Ruth in Ruth chapter 1 and how God not only promises to be with us, but also surrounds us with companions and teaches us how to be one also. Okay, let's get started. The story of Ruth begins as another story is ending. You see, a man named Elimelech had left his hometown of Bethlehem in Judah with his wife and two sons for the country of Moab because there was a great famine in the land. And perhaps they were able to find work and settle in okay, but tragedy upon tragedy met this family. First, Elimelech himself dies, and then both the sons die as well, and that left Naomi all alone without a husband or sons in a foreign land. Back in those times, most women did not work and were dependent on their fathers, husbands, or sons to provide for them. So having no one, Naomi's outlook was beyond bleak but the faintest silver lining in this part of the story was that Naomi heard that there was food back in her hometown once again. So she set out to leave Moab and head back to Bethlehem. But she wouldn't be going alone. During their time in Moab, her sons had each married Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. So these women banded together and began the journey toward Judah. But as they set out for the road, Naomi changes her mind and decides she will make the journey back alone without her daughters-in-law. She says to them in verses eight through nine, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Now, both Orpah and Ruth, did not want to leave Naomi. And I feel like that says a lot about Naomi and the home that they had built in this foreign land. These women were willing to leave their hometown to follow their mother-in-law, though they had no obligation to do so. Naomi persuades them to stay here further by saying that Naomi had nothing to offer them anymore if they came with her life as a widow for them would be hard enough without also being a foreigner and she says now that she has no sons nor will she ever have another son and I mean even if she did will they seriously wait around for that son to grow up? No, it's better for them to stay here in their hometown where they may have a better chance of survival. You know, Naomi's reasoning is solid and it's convincing enough That Orpah reluctantly leaves her mother-in-law and goes back the way she came. But Ruth doesn't leave. If anything, her resolve to stay with Naomi only becomes stronger. Uh, We don't know enough about Ruth's background to even make conjectures about her choice to stick with Naomi, because it could be Ruth had nowhere else to go, or it could very well be that Ruth had an entire network of support in Moab that she was willing to give up to follow Naomi. We don't know. But we do know that what she says to Naomi in verses 16 through 17 are words of undying devotion. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me out, Ruth saw something in the person of Naomi that was big enough for Ruth to pledge herself to her completely with zero reservations. She had no desire to leave Naomi's side in the least. In fact, she says not even death would separate them. In these words, we see that Ruth trusts Naomi implicitly and vows to follow her ways, her culture, and her religion. And upon seeing Ruth's fierce determination to accompany her, Naomi stops trying to persuade her otherwise. And when they arrive in Bethlehem, her hometown is all abuzz with news of Naomi's return. They call out and ask each other, can this be Naomi? And this is just too much for her. Because in those days, names were not just what you called someone, but it was more or less indicative or descriptive of that person. We see that, for example, in the case of God changing Abram's name to Abraham or Sarai's name to Sarah to indicate the promise he was making to them, right? In Genesis. And there's of course a question of what happens when you're given an unfortunate name, like in the once popular prayer of Jabez book. But in this case, Naomi, whose name means pleasant in Hebrew, elects to change her name herself. Because let's face it, nothing about her life right now embodies that word. So she tells people in verse 20, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Now, those of you who are Bible savvy might recognize this name Mara because it's the same name as the bitter waters in Exodus that God used Moses to make drinkable again. It was a word that was very identifiable to everyone who heard Naomi speak. Now, we don't know how the people responded to her words, but I would imagine they were speechless, because it sure seemed like God had singled Naomi out and struck her with unmistakable tragedy. Now, with regard to Naomi's lament here, some say that Naomi, in her bitterness, was not able to see clearly and blamed God for her misfortune instead of acknowledging her sins and the ways that she could have brought it upon herself. And others say Naomi was saying this was a way of accepting that God had done this to her and stating it matter-of-factly as like a c'est la vie, oh well, it is what it is kind of response. Obviously, I don't agree with either theory. Firstly, while I do believe there are consequences, sin. I don't believe that what happened to Naomi was a result of some kind of sin she wasn't dealing with. And secondly, both these statements portray God as the actor and say he purposefully caused this adversity to come upon Naomi, which again, I don't agree with. I think that brings us to the age-old question of why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And you know what? I'm going to say this up front. I will never have a satisfying answer to this question, mostly because I am not God and I just don't know. And it's precisely because we don't know that we attribute every bad thing to God quite frankly, Naomi had every reason, even a right, to be bitter. She has no idea why all these terrible things have happened to her and why God hadn't intervened. She's right when she says she left full but returned empty because she had left Bethlehem with her husband and two sons and returned with only Ruth. But only Ruth as she will come to learn in the next chapters, will become not just a source of comfort, but a means to survive. And we'll talk about that more in our upcoming episodes. But for now, let's marvel at the fact that even in her utter distress, Naomi doesn't reject God. She is miserable and she is angry at God, but he is still her God. And perhaps it's this kind of tenacity and faithfulness that inspired Ruth to follow suit. So what might this first chapter of the book of Ruth call us to do? Though times are different than that of Naomi and Ruth, we are all still experiencing a fair amount of uncertainty and adversity in our lives and in the world around us. I mean, for starters, the pandemic is still hanging around, natural disasters are devastating homes and communities, mass shootings are becoming regular fare, and everything is just so political and divisive all the time. I keep seeing these memes and posts on social media after every tragic occurrence that say, keep your thoughts and prayers to yourself. And you know, I think the sentiment is accurate. When people are hurting, we can do more than lift up silent prayers and send positive vibes. We can walk with them in their pain, partner with them in working things out, and be their companion on the road to recovery. Because isn't that what Ruth did? Because Naomi was steeped in her bitterness, she did not want to be consoled she didn't want help she didn't want companionship she wanted to mourn and sit in her anguish which again she had every right to do there's no need to suppress the pain we are feeling it's okay to let it out but sometimes when we are in such a place we don't recognize that there may be people who actually want to be there for us because Naomi pushed her daughters-in-law away because she had nothing to give them and would not be able to provide for them. But Ruth proved to Naomi that their relationship was not simply transactional. She wasn't just hanging around to get something from Naomi. She wanted to go with Naomi the whole way, even if that way ended in death she was loyal and planned on doing everything she could do to take care of naomi which incidentally she does so friends i feel like the story has something to say to all of us the same words ruth says to naomi where you go i will go are in many ways god's promise and challenge to us if you're going through something That is causing you to be bitter and angry. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to pretend you're okay with everything or just be resigned to your fate. Let it out. Rail at God even. But through your suffering, know with absolute certainty that God does care and will not abandon you. Even if it doesn't look that way from this side of heaven, he will go where you will go. And one way God shows his faithfulness to you is by giving you companions who love you enough to do more than send thoughts and prayers. And that's where the challenge part comes in. I want us to think about the kind of people we can be that inspire another person to want to say to us, where you go, I will go. Are we living with integrity and compassion are we the kind of people who are willing to walk alongside people who need us and supply the help they need i sure hope so if not it's a good thing to aspire to be jesus says in john chapter 13 verse 35 that by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another and it seems like a simple enough command but not everyone can evoke the same kind of loyalty that Ruth gave to Naomi because not everyone truly loves the way we're called to do. And I hope that as you start out a new week, you'll think about how you are in fact loving others as Jesus loved and how you can be the kind of companion that brings people closer to God. Let's pray. God, so many times we see tragedies unfold, maybe in our own lives, in the lives of people close to us, or in the world around us, and sure, in those moments we make our bitterness and resentment known to you, but while we may not understand why the bad things are happening, we do know that you love us and you are with us even when all evidence points to the contrary. So remind us that you are a God who goes where we go, who stays where we stay. Then help us to do the same, to follow you as desperately and unswervingly as Ruth did, and through our resilience and conviction, inspire others to seek you too. Thank you for the companions and allies you have placed in our lives that we can lean on and in whom we see glimpses of your own faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, Amen.